Hey everybody, welcome to the Everyday Consumer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we're here with Ashlyn. Ashlyn, thank you so much for being on the podcast. If you can, introduce yourself and your farm, tell us where you're at, and um, whatever details you want, and we'll dive right in. Yeah, so thank you for having me, Stephanie. I'm so excited. I love your page. I love your podcast. So this is going to be fun today. But my name is Ashlyn, and I am located out of the Piedmont Triad here in North Carolina. And what that really means, it's a, it means Greensboro, uh, Winston, Whitsitt. Uh, it's like a triangle, literally, in the middle of North Carolina and up to the Raleigh area. So kind of competing easily between those areas, but I'm with Tupelo Honey Farms and I'm a fourth generation farmer, but kind of like a first generation because I didn't grow up farming. So I'm excited to get into all the fun stuff today. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So you, your family farmed for four generations in that same area? Yes. So my great grandfather actually started the farm um, this was over a hundred years ago because when he was born, he literally began farming literally when he could walk. I mean, it was just nuts because back then that's how people got their food. Right. right. Um, so they were farming. They had horses out there, cattle. Um, they did tobacco. They also did. Um, he didn't do tobacco, but years later, somebody else did tobacco in the family um, because that was a thing back then. Uh, they also did corn. And, or no, they did do corn and tobacco. I'm sorry. And they would switch the fields. That's right. They would switch the pastures around um, to get better nutrients back then. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, and it got passed down to his six kids. Um, so there were six kids in his, him and my grandmother's family. And so the land got split and divided in between those kids. And then my grandfather and his children, which he has three boys and a girl, they all continued farming it growing up as well. However, my dad was in the corporate world, my mom as well. Um, we lived close to the farm, literally about 10 minutes, but it had kind of been sitting there for a really long time. Um, the people that owned it, the distant relatives of mine at that point, the pieces that we have now, um, and I don't really even know that well, which was crazy. I know it's, it's just nuts, but they had rented it out to a lady and somebody else. I think it was a man. Um, they had two trailers on the property and just leased it out for them to, for over 20 years. Wow. And unfortunately, the people that were there and my distant relatives were not taking care of the land the way it needed to be. They literally would just throw their trash out. Ah. So <laughs> when we um, started the farm, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but I'll... No, I love it. To back up a second here, um, just kind of give you like an overview of, of how we got into this. Yes. My husband and I were looking for land. I was working in corporate America at the time, my husband also, um, and happened to stumble across some land my husband did. And he goes, let's go take a look at it. And I said, okay, I had no clue where it was. Well, it happened to be my old family land. Oh my like, God. That's so crazy. I know. And so we got there and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, Nanny and Papa are right across the street. Like, that's my grandparents now. They're 90 and 89. Like, it's crazy. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my family land. And I got super sentimental about it. And I was like, whatever we have to do to get this land, like, we're going to make it happen because this has not been taken care of. This is where I grew up playing. This is where, you know, families for generations have farmed on this land. There's so much history here. Like, I go out there and I get chills to this day, like, just standing out there. And it was literally one piece of the land because it was split to six different ones um, at that time that was for sale. So we started contacting other family members, relatives and saying, hey, we're buying this piece. Would you guys sell it? And would you guys sell it um, to us because we want to bring it back to life and really like nourish the soil, like, right, because it's so dead from all the years of tilling and just everything that it went through for the farming days back then. And so we got multiple family members to agree to it. There's still two that will not agree to it to this day. Um, it's been a real struggle, but hey, we've got most of it back. And my grandparents who live across the street are just thrilled. They're ecstatic to see what's going on with it. And it's just so exciting. That is so cool. What a full circle moment. And four out of six is not bad because a lot of people will hang on to it till the day they die. And some people are just like that. So whatever, but, um, full circle. And like, you didn't I even know. know what you were pulling up to and your husband just found the land. Yes. I was like, okay, let's just go look at it. Cause we'd love to do that. So we've done property stuff like in our, we have that in our backgrounds as well. And we just love to ride around and look at real estate and land and stuff like that. And we just happened to pull up there. And I was like, this is insane. Like we have to get it. And then he was like, all right, let's do it. 
So that's, <laughs> that's how we <laughs> got here. <laughs> that is so cool. Everyone's story is so unique how they get into farming, even if, like you said, like your family, four generations, and then full circle, you come back to the same land. Like, I just, I love farming. Um, so tell, tell us about the corporate world. Tell us what you did, how long, when did you actually buy this farm and start the farm? Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was in the corporate world for almost 20 years. I started as a news reporter. That's what my degree is in everything. Uh, media studies with, um, it was broadcast journalism with the concentration in news and documentary. So I started there my senior year of college. I worked at a local news station and I just found very quickly that it was super negative, right? When you're watching the local news. And as you probably know from my Instagram, like I'm very happy, I'm bubbly, I'm crazy. Like I just like to have a good time. Yeah. And I like to uplift other people and motivate them. And so I found very quickly that it kind of drug me down. Um, I love the hustle and bustle of it. You know, the deadlines, getting the stories out and talking to people. But I didn't like the negative aspect of it and just really weighed on my heart. So I said, there's got to be a different way. Um, so I jumped into sales, which I said I would never, ever do <laughs> because my dad was in sales and he was awesome at it. Um, but I saw how stressful it was and how like much he worked. He couldn't turn his phone off. This was back in the 80s, right? Like when that massive phone came out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. And like my dad had that in his truck and he would carry it to the house and he would just ring nonstop. And my dad, I'm very much like my dad where customer service is first and foremost, even with the farm today, that's how I am. And it's like, you know, when a customer has a need, you go take care of it um, and you fix it. If there's going to be a problem because problems are going to arise. Right. But it's, yeah. it's how you handle those problems. So I said, I never wanted to do sales. Well, that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> so, of course. Yeah. I was super close to going to law school, worked for a law firm. They're like, you got to go, took some law courses in college. And my, my attorney professors were like, you're great at this. You've got to go to law school. But I was like, I'm done with school. So went into sales, did that. I did human capital management, which basically means I worked with CEOs, um, CFOs of organizations, large organizations, and their vice presidents of HR um, and consulted with them on software. So I sold software that would really run their whole back office, which any company, any entrepreneur knows that your most important asset is your people, right? Like yeah. that's your most important and expensive asset that you can possibly invest in. So um, I helped companies really understand how to create great cultures at their company and give their employees the tools to be successful um, at their jobs. So did that for almost 20 years. And then I flipped into actually the pharma industry, which is insane, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I got recruited by um, a company. They're huge. They're international. Um, they sold software to the pharmaceutical industry. So I got to see some really cool stuff. I did that as a national role and then came down to a regional role where I focused more with companies that were actually producing the actual vaccines or whatever else it was. But it was really neat to see um, the clinical trials as people were going through them and how we were helping people. And then I got, again, recruited by an organization to become a vice president of business development. And this was out of Carmel, Indiana. Um, and I live in North Carolina, but I was so used to traveling all over the country. I mean, I was constantly flying somewhere, right, throughout my yeah. career. Really hard. Um, so I said, oh, my gosh, like, this is it. I was like corporate girl all the way. And I was like, man, I've worked so hard to get to VP. So started that job um, and just found very quickly... And I don't want to talk negative about anything, but I think I want to be real with everybody too. Yeah. I think there are great pharmaceutical companies out there doing the right thing, but then I think there are some that are in it for the money. And mm -hmm. my heart was not in that. Um, and also the way that I was treated throughout my corporate career, I mean, things just kept stacking up. It was insane. Like I, I still have PTSD from this day to this day from corporate America. Um, I had some really great bosses, really great companies that I worked for, but then I had some really horrible ones that I worked for as well. Um, and we had started the farm. Gosh, this was, I was still in corporate and I think we had started, it was this two years ago. Now we had bought it. It was nothing but trash out there. I mean, just trash. We said, we're going to be picking up trash the day we die, literally, because we find stuff all the time. Yeah. Dumpster loads and dumpster loads. So I knew that I wanted to farm full-time eventually and to get out of what I was doing in corporate America because I'm super passionate about the farm and the farm life and helping 
the community and educating them as well on really how to nourish the or heal the land and then nourish the community as well. I'll say that all the time. Um, So I would go out there literally in like a suit top. (laughs) Like people don't believe that I do my own work and I do. It is me and my husband. There's no one else that takes care of our farm. Like it's insane. We are crazy like that. You get it. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. I know your hands are, you're not going to show your, I think you should show your hands. Like she hustles too. Look at her hands. <laughs> See, I mean, this is what we do. This is yes. what we really are passionate about it do. So I would go out to the farm when it was nothing. We were trying to build it up and I would go out there in my suit top. I would run across the street to my grandparents, get on Wi-Fi because there's no Wi-Fi. And I would go to their house and like really quickly after I did my farm work, get on a meeting and be like, hey, everybody, and do my thing and consulting. And then, and so I'd have to have my makeup and hair done. And then I'd go back out, put my, you know, Carhartts on or whatever, or my yoga clothes as everybody sees me out there all the time. Yeah. Easy to move around in that stuff, right? It's easy to farm in yoga pants, straight up. Yeah. So I would run back out there and do more work. And then answer emails as I was going to like, just, it was crazy for like, I think this was almost a year. And then finally I had the flu, my child, what both kids had the flu last year and I would make sacrifices to leave my family all the time for my corporate job. Right. And I had the flu. Um, my kids had the flu and I got a warning from my boss and then from HR for being out. I called the company and I was like, I absolutely do not stand for this. I mean, I was so sick. I couldn't talk like that at the time. I actually had to have a nurse come over and give me an IV because I was so out of it. I could not wake up. Um, And so once I had like the actual, you know, energy to do that, I called HR and I said, I have never in my entire career seen a company that says, oh, we're about our people. We're about this. I said, this is the worst culture I've ever seen. How dare you threaten somebody when they're out sick? Yeah. I would expect at least for you guys to reach out and say, oh my gosh, is there anything we can do or send a care package or do something, right? I'm a hard worker and I think people get that. Like I've had bosses in the past that just, you know, they know if Ashley yeah. says she's going to do it, she's going to do it, right? Like that's And so you're, you're at a high level and this company's emailing you and you're VP, yeah, vice president of business development. Like, and, and they're emailing you warnings. Yeah, for being out with the flu. <laughs> That's so insane. Like, well, you're not communicating to us every day. I'm like, how do you think I could communicate to you every day? I'm throwing up, hugging a toilet, like I'm on the floor. Plus, I, my I kids are crazy. too. Yeah. Yeah, and my children, and they're tiny, so I'm having to like help them hold their hair back, clean them up. Well, you need to communicate to us, and I'm. Oh like, my gosh, I, I just. I said, as a leader like that, I would never treat my people that way. I would reach out to them and say, family first. I know when you get back, I want you to be refreshed. And when you get back, we'll be be ready to attack, right? Like, it's just, I'm just flabbergasted at the way corporate America treats people. And that wasn't even the worst of the worst of what's happened to me. I mean, that, that was just like another little nudge that I needed to just say, I'm done. I am done. And I'm going to start my passion and I'm going to build something for my family that was built over a hundred years ago. Right. And I'm going to keep this going. Yeah. Legacy. Bring, bring that back full circle. Yeah. So that's the time you quit. You said I've had enough. Yeah. So I said, I I didn't even call. I was like, if you don't have the decency to treat me like a human being, I'm not either. So (laughs) I just, I sent an email in and said, here's my resignation. I quit like da, 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 da. And I quit the next month. Um, so I, I hung on for another month and it, it just kept getting worse. I, I don't know. It was just super weird. And it was time. Said, yeah. Yeah. I just said, I'm just ready. You know, I prayed about it. I talked to my husband about it because to cut that income out was like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Because I have worked my entire life in corporate. Right. So we made a huge sacrifice. But my husband and I both are just so passionate about what we're doing. He's still in corporate America. But we... I mean, we'll talk about it at the farm all the time. Like this is bigger than us, what we're doing. Like Mm -hmm. this is bigger than just us farming, than just this community. It goes further. It's about healing the land and it's about giving back to the community and further and beyond and educating people and helping them. Like it's just, it makes me like so excited. Yes. So much more than just us on this little farm, right? 
Yeah, and I think you can get caught up, especially, you know, like labels like small farm, large farm, whatever. Even if you squash those, you can get caught up in the moment of like, I'm not doing enough or I'm not serving too many people, but it's so yes. much bigger than us. And the fact that the population is rising and the number of farmers is decreasing, like we need every single farmer. It doesn't matter yes. what kind of farmer. We need all y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. And I literally try to inspire younger people each day. I'm talking about starting like an FFA club and stuff. Yes. Um, so that younger kids, because, well, let me back up for a second. The average age, I think, is like 65 right now. Yeah. Farmers. So what's going to happen when they leave, right? And they, or they sell out or whatever happens or they retire. We don't have enough people to go around to feed the people in America. So we need younger generations to start. So my one of my missions is to really get younger the younger generation excited about it. And I have started doing that because I've had parents in the community reach out to me, which I get so excited about, about their child wants to be a cow, you know, a cattle farmer or they want to be a gardener or can we come out to your farm to learn? And I'm like right now it's a construction zone, but as Always. soon as that's over, I will have people out, but I mean, that gets me pumped and excited. And like you yeah. said, we need a ton more farmers. Like there's so much to go around. Like I can't serve everyone, right? Right. And we're not I meant mean, to serve everyone. Like your niche no. market is different. Yeah. Exactly. So we need all kinds of farmers and we need lots of them. So I hope to inspire younger generations for sure. And yeah, I definitely. My age too. Yeah, because we see a lot of people coming back to farming. I mean, even you. Four, four generations farmed and you circled back to the same piece of land. That's still so crazy to me. But I, I think I never knew that I would be a farmer, Stephanie. Like never knew. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So, never. Not even when I had the flu and I was like, I hate you corporate America. I'm going to be a farmer. <laughs> so tell me about like, tell me about that moment. Did you guys have a plan for the farm? Was, was there already progression in place? Like whenever you were on the verge of of, of quitting and you were leaning more towards farming, not even talking about corporate, whenever you were leaning into the farm, did y'all have a plan and a vision? And, and what is that? Tell us what, what your farm does. So it's interesting because at the time we thought, oh, we're just going to start a homestead and just do this for us. Right. And so we started as a homestead and at the beginning of my Instagram, it's so funny because I go back to it, which I just started it like a year and a half ago, where you go back and you're like, me talking about homesteading and how you can do things and save money here and there homesteading. And then all of a sudden it's like full on farming because <laughs> I can't half butt do anything. It's like, I just got to jump all in and my husband's the same way. So the beginning was homesteading just for us. So we could have the food for us. Right. And to know where our food is coming from, because as you know, it's getting really weird in this country with the whole food situation. I mean, yeah. there's other countries that won't even accept meat from America. Right. And, and we're I, bringing I, all the meat in. Just come on, bring it in. And if it's yeah. packaged here, we'll label it packaged here. <laughs> Super weird. And I missed a whole, that reminds me, I missed a whole part of my story, by the way, of transitioning into farming. So I have two chronic illnesses that I was diagnosed with while I was in corporate America. I literally randomly woke up one day and I was at like a kitchen counter like this and I just go, Whew, like I felt like I was going to pass out and I've never felt like that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my husband goes, maybe you're just really hungry. Your blood sugar's low. Go sit down. And this was almost three years ago now. And so, um, anywho, I went and sat down. It didn't go away. And I went to six different doctors around here trying to find out what was going on, having all kinds of testing MRIs, or I did one MRI for my brain. Couldn't find anything. Um, and a doctor, I drove like an hour and a half by myself. Um, this was during COVID and it was crazy. I felt like I was flipping over in the car. Like it was nuts. And somebody So not like vertigo, me. like worse than vertigo. Oh yeah, it was worse than vertigo. Like I had vertigo with it, but it was like, I, it was just super strange, strange sensations. And like the floor was going like this. And this was going on for months and months and months and months. And I was still working in corporate America. And like one day, this was in the beginning, I remember telling my husband, I think I've had a stroke because it took me a whole day, like five hours to write one sentence in an email. And yeah. I was terrified. This was before I even became a vice president of business development. Like this was at my other job and I was, be I was very successful. I was doing great. Nobody knew about it. I couldn't tell anybody because I was afraid that they would view me differently. My customers didn't know it. Um, but so do you think it was stress? Yes. So, and wait, I got a question. 
Yeah. What was what was your diet like during that time? Crap. Okay. It was stuff that I had never eaten because we couldn't go anywhere. And it was like, you know, it was like there, there was such a low shortage of things. It was like I was just grabbing whatever I could. And I used to eat way healthier um, before that. And so I was eating all these things with preservatives in it and meat from who knows where and just crap food. I gained weight during, you know, the pandemic, like I think everybody did. <laughs> I was like, you know, but I was eating crap. And so I did my own um, research and I became my own advocate. So I walked out of the doctor's office one day after my MRI and the doctor goes, bye, see you later. This was like an hour and a half away. I was by myself. He was like, can't figure out what you have. I think you might have MDDS, but good luck. Here's some eye exercises. And I was like, and I just like bawled in the middle of the hallway, bawled all the way home. And I just remember thinking there's got to be a better way than this. So I became my own advocate and I actually found, oh my gosh, there's a book over here. I, I want to get it because I think this is super important. You I'll can like, get it. Yeah. Yes. I love books. I'm like, it's so cool. I want to give a shout out to this girl right here. It's called the Dizzy Cook. Can you nice. see Nice. Yes. So she was on Instagram and her name is Alicia and uh, Alicia Wolf. She's awesome. So found her on Instagram and found that her symptoms were very similar to mine. And I was like, oh my God, because I was just digging around, digging around. And I reached out to her and she's this awesome like influencer on Instagram, but she's the sweetest person and she's not trying to be an influencer. She's just trying to help people. Yeah, right? sure. And so um, reached out to her and she said, well, I have this doctor. He's a specialist um, in dizziness and he treated me. He treats me. And this is what I have. And I just started reading her story. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I think this might be what I have. And so um, she goes, I, I'm not sure if he'll take you because you're in North Carolina or what, but he should be able to. Um, and, and hopefully he's accepting new patients because he's super busy. He's like one of the only doctors in America that focuses on dizzy people. And at this point, it had been two years and I was about to lose my mind. I was like, there's got to be a better way. Like, I can't keep living like this, but I was going to push through, right? I'm like, right. sure, I was living through it. Um, and so anyways, reached out to the doctor, called their office, and I said, I'm in North Carolina. There's no way I can get on a plane. I would feel like I'm going to pass out. There's no way. And I used to fly all the time for work. I was like, there's no way I can drive. I just drove an hour and a half, and I felt like I was going to, like, pass out. And I said, can y'all please take me over a Zoom call? And so they agreed to it, and he awesome. got all of my results from all my testing from my other doctors and made me do a bunch of other testing. And in the first five minutes, he diagnosed me with two chronic illnesses. And he said, Ashlyn, you are to the T of what I see. You hustle, your mind doesn't shut down, and you have vestibular migraines and MDDS. And I'm like, but my head doesn't hurt. He goes, it doesn't matter. Like you're dizzy all the time. And that's what this can come in the form of. And I was like, I just bawled in front of him. I was like, I'm so sorry I'm bawling right now, but like, you're, you're helping me. You told me yes. what I have, you know? And he was like, there's no cure, but there is treatment. And he goes, MDDS is really hard to treat. He was like, but we'll figure it out. We'll try all different kinds of stuff. So he put me not only on medication, but natural supplements as well. And the Dizzy Cook, she writes like a whole, you would think I work for her or something, but I don't. But... <laughs> I don't get anything from that. I just, she literally changed my life. By That's awesome. Her. Um, she, um, wrote this book for healthy, you know, lifestyle and eating because it, a lot of it is what we eat, mm -hmm. it's what we eat, our stress levels, everything. And so that's when it started to click in my mind, even after I got the vice president job, like I want to do something better that helps people. And that's when the whole farming thing came into the picture. And I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there and make this happen. Is that, that's when we started looking for land and stuff. Like, it's just so crazy, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I really, I, I've never told my story either, but I think that you can heal your body with food. I mean, I know you can. I yes. Genetically, if you look at my family, um, they're heavier set, their bones are really thick and I look different. And that doesn't mean anything. Like people can be big boned and healthy, but I was eating all this preservative stuff and chock full of crap. And I switched my diet and I, to this day, it changed my whole world. And it changed the projection of like having children, being healthy, being able to farm, those types of things. So I think it's underrated. It's underrated food. It is. And how so, powerful it is. For sure. And as soon as I start, stopped my vice president job, right? Like I quit that 
And I was on the farm every day. I started grounding. I was doing all kinds of stuff that like just to naturally try to heal me. And I was on this medication, right? And this medication was like making me gain weight, which I didn't care. I was like, whatever. If I'm not like, yeah, it feels good. I used to be in that function, right? Like I'm going to be on it. And I was very thankful for that, but I didn't want to be on it forever. And so I quit my job and I think it was two or three months later. I can't remember the exact date, but I literally came off the medication and I don't know how I did it. Like I didn't do it with the doctor's help. My doctor would like kill me for saying this, but I literally weaned off of it, but I had tried that before and it didn't work when I was in corporate America, it didn't work. And I did it while I was working on the farm and got off all medication and started yeah. eating differently, like eating what we were raising. And I'm not on medication anymore. I mean, yes, I feel dizziness on days. Hallelujah. Nowhere near what it was. Right. So I'm like, woo, food definitely changes it and stress levels and all of that. So totally agree with that and believe in that. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love a good, I love a good life changing story. So tell me on the farm, what, what is the first thing that y'all started doing? Is it meat, produce, or did well, I know as a homesteader, you like can dabble in everything. So tell me, what is your main business right now as far as the farm goes? Like, how do you get your product to the consumer? Yeah, we're a meat farm right okay. now. So, but we started with three pigs. We rescued a horse and we had three chickens. <laughs> I love pigs. That was all we started with. And it just grew from there. My husband knew that he wanted to get pigs because they're really good at regenerating the soil. And so... Um, we got Cooney Cooney pigs mm -hmm. and we did a round of those. We still have Cooney Cooney pigs today, but they are amazing at regenerating the soil and bringing it back to life and the nutrients and just the grass. It's insane when you see where they've been and when we move them and where the grass like starts, like it's just where it starts taking off is what I'm trying yes. to say. Like it's amazing. And so then we were like, oh, you know, chickens, chickens like the pathway into everything. <laughs> chicken want, yeah. You're like a chicken farmer and then you're a full blown farmer. Yeah. And my husband and I, we don't do anything like, like I think I said earlier, half butt. Like we jump in full force with everything. Everybody that knows us kind of thinks we're crazy, but like All right. amazing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, if we're doing this, we're doing this. So we got meat chickens and we did re-raised meat chickens last year, a hundred and process those ourselves. So we learned that we had another farm come out because that's how you learn, right? Like you reach yeah. out to other people, just like you. And like, I can learn things from you. And I have this amazing community on Instagram that I never thought I would have. And we literally help each other out and ask stuff. So we had a farmer and his wife come out. They're a meat farm as well. That's about two hours from us. And they came out and helped us and like taught us everything. Like it was so cool and such a great experience. Um, so we did a hundred meat birds last year. We're going to do them again this year, but then we started getting into more pigs and then lamb and sheep. So that was like the next thing. So it just kept like progressing from there. So we do, um, we do pork, we do a little bit of cattle right now that's coming. Um, we haven't done a lot of that. I know a lot of our people are like, oh my gosh, when are y'all releasing the red meat? Like we want cattle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all hang on. We're building it as fast as we can. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. And cows take like cows just take a lot of land that people don't think about. Yes. Especially if you're if you're rebuilding soils and there's no forage for them to eat, you can't just throw cows out in the pasture. Well, I mean you no. can, but they're not gonna look good or taste exactly. good. Exactly. Or taste good. Yeah. <laughs> so and we wanna do it right. Like we're perfectionists with things. Of course we've made mistakes and you learn from them, but you just keep going. So of course. we have um pork, cattle. We have meat chickens, we have eggs, and then we have sheep as well, so lamb. And so how do you sell the meat? At farmer's markets or do they come to your store? Girl, or do you I ship? Have, so, yeah, no, we don't ship. I have not got into that beast yet. I'm like, Beast yes. is definitely a name, yeah. Yeah, my husband's like, I don't want to get into that. And I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> so we'll see. We have enough as it is right now on our plates, but like, I know that's a whole nother thing. Um, but right now, so we do, I partnered with a couple of local businesses here in the triad. And so I'll go and set up in their parking lot and I'll sell meat that way. I'll do pre-orders online. So I use Barn to Door, that app. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yeah. Just release that. Um, and then I have some local friends as well, people that know us, and I will let them come to the house and pick stuff up. But that's not for everybody, right? Like they'll order online and then they'll come pick up. 
but not everybody. I don't want everybody like coming to my house all the time. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. That goes back. That's kind of like right in line with corporate. Like you have to have boundaries and you have to make sure that your space is your space or else you'll go crazy hundred percent. So what are the goals? Um, what are the goals for the farm as far as meat goes? Is that, is shipping a goal or is um, a farm store? How do y'all plan to grow it? We're definitely always going to be direct to consumer. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. I, I don't, you know, if there's some stores that want to carry it and stuff, that's fine. Like I have a skincare line that's all natural as well. For we got to talk about that too. I, I just seen that on Instagram yesterday. Cause I've, yeah. I, I think you changed your bio maybe and added it or maybe I didn't. Pay I attention. did. I had just said founder L's by May and I didn't actually put the at thing, like my Instagram handle. And somebody was like, uh, you need to put your Instagram handle. And I was like, Oh, but yeah. So I just changed it. So you can actually see it now. Yes. And I don't focus a lot on it on my Tupelo Honey Farms account. Um, but I think I'm just going to bring it all back under there, honestly, because it's hard running, you know, two different Instagram handles. I'm like, whew, this is a lot. So yeah, it's hard doing, doing Instagram. But what you said earlier about Instagram being so inspiring and such a great community, I agree 100%. I've met, like, I'm like, you're my friend and I've I only know. seen you on the screen. <laughs> And then I'm going to come to Houston because I used to go there for work all the time anyways. I'm going to come out there and then we're going to give each other a big hug and be like, woohoo! And do our <laughs> dance because we have to do the farmer dance. Yes. <laughs> but yes. okay, so y'all are going to grow grow the farm direct to consumer and just keep raising meat that way. And then, okay, let's talk about the skincare line. Is it beef tallow or what is it? Yeah, it's beef tallow, which we will also do sheep tallow at some point too, but we're not far enough in the process yet. Um, sheep tallow that, is I, a hidden like gem it is amazing it is it's, so good for rashes like anything on your body like I just could not believe it I found out about it and I was like oh my god I love this stuff I've been using beef tallow for for probably three years now as my only moisturizer it hasn't taken away these wrinkles yet but you know I think that's the sun <laughs> um <laughs> I but don't see sheep, any wrinkles. Oh, that's because I always wear a hat. Um, the sheep tallow, some of my, my friends, she made it for me. And she just like this little experiment. She put frankincense and stuff in it. I'm telling you, it's a, obviously it's different. The fat is different and how it's rendered and stuff. But it's smoother than beef tallow. It's like... Is it? it okay, I haven't tried it yet, but I know I'm going there. <laughs> you, the next time you process some lambs, get some fat and render it down. I She couldn't make enough because I didn't have enough fat from the last three we processed. But I was like, I need more. It's so good. Now, and I do ship that nationally. So I yes. will ship that across the nation. So I have a whole website for that. But yeah, I love tallow. And like, I'm just an entrepreneur at heart. I think I always felt it in my heart to start something, which farming is being an entrepreneur. Like that's a mm -hmm. whole thing, right? You got to do it all. Your marketing, your billing, your, the actual labor. Yeah. People don't realize they're like, oh, you're frolicking around on a farm. No, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of hard things. And I try to show that too. Like when I'm frustrated, like I'll just record myself and I'll be chasing an animal or something like this is what it is. Like, yes, yeah. I want to be honest with y'all. Like, I want y'all to get into it, but I want you to know what you're getting into. But um, so, yeah, so direct to consumer for the farm piece of it. Um, and then eventually I would like to do like lunch and learns or dinner and learns and have a chef come out and where you can buy a ticket to that. Um, and then we do like a pairing of like produce, local produce in the area, um, partner with some other farmers with our meats. And I do have some vegan friends and they're awesome. Like they always support me in anything. They buy eggs too. And they, and they actually buy the tallow too. And I'm like, yeah, it's not vegan. They're like, yeah, but we're honoring the animal. You're already, you know, harvesting it. So we want to honor that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love y'all. So yeah. It's it's, just, well, tallow, cool. like while we're on the subject of tallow, it's making a huge comeback too, where there's a food revolution going on, where people are going back to the direct to consumer and getting to know their farmer. It's lovely. But people are switching their skincare over to natural yeah. things. And like the tallow world has just blown up. Girl, it has. It's insane. And I knew nothing about it before. And I happened to just like stumble into it one day and try it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to make this because I know where the cows are coming from. It's all organic, USDA, you know, 100% grass fed. That's one thing when buying tallow. Make sure for anybody listening to this that you know that you're getting it from a quality provider, right? Because there's a bunch of companies out there doing it, but not all cows are going to be the same. So you want to yeah. make sure you check into that. 
Right. There's yeah, the fat rendering and breaks down different when they're grass fed. So do you process, do you process the pigs and the sheep yourself or you send them off to USDA inspected facility? Yeah, we only did the chickens ourselves. We wanted to learn, like we want to get our hands and everything right to really understand how the whole process works. Yes. We do not do the pigs. We take um, some of them to a USDA facility and then some that's just approved in North Carolina. Um, So we take them to two of those partners of ours um, and then, no, we won't do the sheep as well by ourselves like that. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a big feat for sheep for sure. I've actually never heard of someone doing it, but you never know. So I had to ask. Um, and I always, I like to ask about the processing because I know in Texas, as far as meat birds go, two new ones just open up, but they're super brand new. But before those two, in the last just two months, two, 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 there was only two in the state of Texas. Oh my God. So in Texas well, is huge, like- right? I have to drive three and a half hours one way to process birds. Girl, that that was us with uh, pork the other day. It was Mm -hmm. had to drive way over here and then go all the way across the state to go way over here in the same day. And it like it beat my tail so hard. Like, yeah, I used to travel on a plane and come back in the same day and all of that. I'm like, man, this was hard. Not Um, with a trailer full of animals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you got poop all over you and everything else. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then with the cattle, like this is crazy too, because we, we do have some cattle that we could take, right. To go get processed and people are two years out right now. You cannot find processors that will take your cattle. Like it's just insane. We were already supposed to have one processed last month or two months ago. And they're like, no, we can't take it till April now. And I'm just like, man, how are you supposed to survive? If you're a cattle farmer, like that's just insane. Like we've got to do better with that too. And I don't know what the answer is, but. Yeah, that one's the processing facilities. There's a lot of USDA grant programs to open one. Um, My husband and I have looked into it. It's just, there's so much legwork and then you always have to be tied to the government. And that's just something we weren't interested in doing. We have a lot of great facilities around us, but not all of them are USDA. So I can go and get animals processed like that. But then I can't sell the meat. Across it has the a state big, lines. And, yeah. yeah, it has a big not for sale sign. Um, but processing is one of those really, really tricky things that I don't think the consumers think about. And we're really touching on it right now. Like, it is a lot of work to get your stuff processed. For us, we have – and I'm not an organized person. Please don't think <laughs> that. But I have every single bird date, um, beef, lamb, and pork for 2024. Exactly. And if I didn't, I wouldn't get them in. Yeah. It happened to me last year. It's insane. So people, it's hard. Thank your farmers for what we're doing. (laughs) Know your farmer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's small batch. And so what kind of sheep do y'all raise? Did I see Dorpers? Yes. So Dorpers. So we had a cross of, um, I can't remember what it was called. Our first little round. There were like four, no, we had six. And then we expanded and went and got like 20 one day of Dorpers. And that's what we're raising now. And we just love the Dorpers. My husband's obsessed with the Dorpers. He just loves their black heads and their whole white bodies. And they're really good meat too. Um, And I know that sounds so weird for people because they see me out there loving all my animals. So I did want to touch on this too. Yes, please. Um, Because I I have something to say too. So tell us what people tell you and what you think. So people all the time, even friends, you know, that I know, they were like, how do you do that? Like, I don't understand. You're out there loving on them and hugging them. And I said, you guys, If you could see, let's just say a CAFO farm, right, where they're confined to a very small area, they're inside, they have no sunlight, they're living, eating on their poop, like it's insane, you would be very happy with what we're doing, right? And so, and that makes me feel better at the end of the day, because I'm giving this animal a beautiful life because they're living out in the sun, they're in pastures consuming, you know, fresh grass, what they're supposed to do, the bugs doing all the things and they're getting loved on by me, not being treated just like some, I don't know, commodity or something, right? So um, we're giving them a great life. And then when we take them to process them, Yes, it is hard. It's I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm this cold-blooded person that doesn't have any feelings about it. The first round of pigs we took, I cried. And I looked at the USDA inspector and I was like, she was staring at me. I was like, is this weird? And she was like, you wouldn't be a normal human if you weren't crying. She was like, I see farmers do this all the time. And I said, okay. And so I say a little prayer, like we took pigs last week. 
think it was last week. It was. God, it feels like 10 weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's... Last week. <laughs> and I got out and um, the processor was there. And he was so nice. But I said a little prayer over the pigs. Thank you, you know, for nourishing the community and just providing us, our family food. And, you know, I feel great about that at the end of the day versus what you see where mass produced things are coming from, from like supermarkets and stuff. And I'm not saying everything that comes from a supermarket is bad, but I think it's really important to educate yourself as a consumer on where your meat is coming from and even your produce, right? Like it's yeah. so important and people are so far removed from it. They don't understand quick story real quick. And then I want to hear your thoughts on that too, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, I was in this, it's like basically like an organic market here locally where we live and I went to go get some chicken because we were out of chicken at the time. And so I was buying some organic little chicken breast. And there was a lady reaching down, you know, in the freezer beside me. And she was like, oh, I love these because they're not nasty and pumped with a bunch of nasty things. And we know that these chickens are treated better. And I was like, yeah, I was like, we have a farm. And I was like, you know, ours are free range and stuff. Um, or excuse me, regenerative. Like we move them on the grass each and every day in their little chicken tractors. And she looked at me and said, excuse me you're disgusting. And I went, wait, what? And she was like, do you hurt your animals? And I said, ma'am, I don't hurt my animals. You know, I said, but I do. Um, she's like, you're the one that kills them. And I said, we do process them and harvest them so that people like you can get chicken and you know, whatever else. And they have a great life. And I said, you have chicken in your hand. And in front of the whole store, she said, get away from me. You're disgusting. I don't like you. You're evil. And I was just like so shocked. It felt so awful that she was saying this to me. And I said, well, ma'am, how do you think that chicken is in your hand right now? But that is how far removed our society is from where their food comes from. Sitting That's there judging me as the person that raises it for her to eat as she's walking off with it in her hand. It, it was just mind boggling. I was about to say, that seems like it's not even real. Like what, what are you really asking me that? Like sometimes when people ask me questions, I love all my customers. But sometimes people will ask so me, yeah, it's like, you just, um, you don't know what to say. It's like, well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's but crazy. I want to hear what you have to say on that too, Stephanie, because that's, it's interesting to hear other farmers and stuff too. Talk about um, that. I have a wonderful customer who brought it to my attention and she said, it's really hard for me to see these aren't verbatim words, but in context, out of context, she said, it's really hard for me to see your animals happy and out in the pasture and how you share them on Instagram and Facebook and then to know what they're being raised for. And I feel very aligned with what you, and she's a wonderful person and customer. Yeah. She still buys me and like, I love her, but it was interesting to see her point of view. I have actually never thought of it that way, except for one other time I took a farm marketing course and they said, Hey, don't post a bunch of picture of your animals, post recipes, post useful information for people. And I'm like, no, I'm going to post the real life stuff. But anyways, it was interesting yeah. to hear her take because I had never thought of it like that, but I feel the same way you do. I, we always say our animals have one bad day on our farm. Yes. One, one bad day. Um, not going to lie, going back to like being sentimental about getting rid of stuff. Chickens, I'm usually ready for the chickens to go whenever it's eight weeks because. Me too. They're so hard. The meat yeah. chickens are the hardest thing in the whole dang farm. I say that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And they're not the cleanest animal. And so my pigs and everything else, I have a very good relationship with them. The chickens, I'm just like, you guys, you just need to grow for me, please. Oh my gosh. That's so funny that you said, cause I said that to my husband. I was like, God, these are so hard, but I want to do them again. Cause they're so good. They're, <laughs> they're so yummy. Yeah. There's nothing like it. And that goes back to like the people being really removed from their food too. Although there is a revolution of people being more concerned, which I'm super yes. excited Thank to be you. on the farmer side of it. Um, but, but they, they just, they, they just don't know what goes into it. And that's why we're here to shed light and to share our pictures of our pigs and our sheep and all the things. Exactly. And I've had friends reach out to me on Instagram, like, that's disgusting what you just shared. And I'm like, well, it's part of it. So if you don't like it, scroll on. Yeah. I've actually, on Instagram, I've met, I think I've had two negative comments in the whole time that I've been doing Instagram, but it was always something uh, based on my words. Like one time I said, you can get the clean meat. And I think they thought that 
me saying that my meat was clean, that all other meat was dirty. And I was like, nah, that's not what I mean. No, that's not what you mean at all. Exactly. <laughs> but Instagram's been a very, very, very good community place for, for farmers and for us to reach the consumer and show them like, hey, look, this is how good the animals have it on our farm. Well, and people ask me all the time, they're like from the corporate world, because I still, you know, post things on LinkedIn and things because this is my business now. Yeah. And so people reach out to me, C-level executives they are like, oh my gosh, this is my dream. Like you're inspiring me. And I just had two people tell me this week that I inspired them to take the leap. And I was like, oh my gosh, That's awesome. like, this is so exciting. But it, it, it's just so neat to like see that and hear that. But um. I don't know where I was going with that whole story because there was a really big point I wanted to make there, Stephanie, and it just totally slipped my mind. <laughs> we'll come back to it. No, and but I think that's awesome that people are telling you that. People do that for me too, and I always I try to be positive because I'm positive like you too, but I'm always like apprehensive. I'm like, I show you guys the best things on Instagram. I don't show you the hard days, and um, and I feel like I don't have to show the hard days. I don't feel like everyone should know that. Unless you are a farmer, I don't feel like you need to feel the burden of loss or of waiting on rain or, you know, I don't feel like I need to share that with people. Um, so I do keep it happy on Instagram. Yes. And that's just my preference. I, I'm very, very happy on Instagram. I have shared a couple of sad things and that's hard for me to do because I don't want other people to feel sad. Yeah, you know, like you, you kind of want to keep that part secret, but there is a lot of sadness that happens. Like you lose animals. Like we just, we lost an alpaca. I got four alpacas that had wanted for the longest time. I want an alpaca. They're so cool. And they're so cute. Four. They are. They're the cutest little things. Um, and we had one die within like the first week and it just broke my heart. I literally cried. And then yeah. I did not share this this week on Instagram or was it last week that it happened? No, it was this week. Um, I was out at the farm by myself and I was calling the other alpaca's name that I didn't see because they're always like in a little group together, you know, they're like a little herd group thing or pack animals. And so um, the male came over and walked me over and another alpaca was laying in the pasture. And it just like, I sat there, he was crying and the other alpaca was crying and I just cried with my alpacas. Oh. And I was like, this is just horrible. It's sad. And like, that was hard. That, that yeah. was a really hard day. But I just Have y'all kind of figured that out? No, they said they didn't think there was anything wrong um, with the alpacas veterinarian wise. Like the first one, we don't know what happened to. And then the second one, she was pregnant and we think maybe she was going into labor and that actually killed her. That's Man. what we think. We don't know. We're not sure. Well, I'm sorry about your alpacas. That is losses. Loss is really, really hard on the farm, but it kind of, it kind of comes with the territory too. Yeah. For sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe, like maybe the everyday consumer should know this. There is a loss number. There is a percentage that as a farmer, you have to calculate in when you're buying feed, when you're buying animals that you know you're going to lose. And it's not because of negligence. It's not because no. we don't care. It's because of mother nature, straight up. Yes. It just <laughs> happened. Like yeah. I lost almost a whole pack of pigs when I first started doing this. And I did post that on Instagram. I was like, don't make the same mistake that I made. I well, like, yeah, you use it as a learning, a learning tool. Yeah. I was like, move the mother before she goes into labor because the other pigs will kill her or kill the yeah. babies. Sorry. Or the mother sometimes will roll on them. You've got to be very careful. Yeah. That's another thing about people wanting like everything free range. There are, there are black and white bold lines that you follow as a farmer. Yeah. It's cool. Let your sows, uh, have their litters out, but if you don't have them protected, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. But I think the consumer thinks like everything should be some of them just free and roaming around, but you can't do that in mother nature because they have instincts too. Yes. And they will get hurt and they will die. Just like my first little pack of piglets did. I mean, that was awful. You know, yeah. you worked so hard to get there. And that was our first round. And we were like, woohoo. And then it was not, it wasn't good. And I actually helped deliver them. I was there by myself. It was Valentine's last year. And I was in corporate still. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? This, this pig is in labor. Oh my gosh. And we didn't move her. And I had told my husband the week before, I'm like, I'm a mom. I know I've had babies. This pig is going into labor. We need to move her. He's like, no, she'll be fine. He was traveling for work. Here I am stuck with it by myself. I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm like, my boss is calling. I'm like, hey, what's going on? You got, yeah, you got your corporate clothes on and your hair done, but you're delivering piglets. I love it. Yes. Insane. But then I lost like half of them. 
So not yeah. the whole letter, but it was, it was like, it was almost whole. I think we had four and I think we lost nine, something yeah, like that. It, can, it was crazy. It can, pigs can be difficult, depending on genetics and things like that, especially if they're first time moms. Um, yeah. But I want to ask you a few questions that we'll end the podcast with. So I want to know what the best piece of advice you could give someone who wants to start farming or someone who wants to support their farmer, like just a really good, solid piece of advice. Okay. First one I would say on that first part is getting into farming. I know a lot of people are scared, right? Like it's a scary thing. You think you don't know enough. Just do it. And I know that sounds so cheesy and like, you know, but that's it. You've got to just jump in and do it. The only way to learn anything in life. And I would always tell like sales teams, this and everything else. You've just got to go out there. You can sit here and research it all day long, but you're going to waste your time. You got to go. You got to jump in and get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to reach out to other farmers. Yeah. This farming community is so helpful. Like we have so many local farmers that we just bounce ideas off of each other. We help each other. Like they'll call us now. We call them like, it's so cool, but just get out there, jump into it. And another thing is just be authentically you and what you want to do and run with that passion. Don't compare yourself to other farmers because you're Amen. different things. Right. And you're all going to have your own little niche and like, just go after what you want to do. Um, so I would say that's the first piece. And then the second question was, what would I say to people that are wanting to get to know their farmers? Is that what you asked me? Yes. Okay. So like, I would say, reach out to the farmers, start following them on Instagram, start, you know, email them questions that you may have. Look for your local people in your area that are farming and really watch what they're doing. Make sure that they're transparent with you. I always say, make sure you're passionate. You have a passionate farmer because a passionate farmer will go above and beyond. I have a ton of passion you know, for the animals and for everything they're doing to get that food to you and your family. Um, but just really get to know them. I mean, that is key right now because a lot of what we're eating in the USA, we have no clue where that's coming from. And that is scary, my friends, because I even had a family member say, well, I'm scared to eat meat off your farm. I feel more comfortable going in the grocery store and getting a package of meat. And I'm like, Okay, that makes no sense right now. <laughs> it's just like, That's hard to relate to, yeah. To I'm like, you can come and sit on my farm and look at it at any time. This is my family member, right? And it was funny. And they're just like, yeah, but you can go in there. And I'm like, you have no clue what's even in that. I was like, the the rules and regulations that the USDA and this this and that and the everything's allowed. I was like, and from the pharma industry to FDA, and there's so many things, right? Like yeah. that they can do that you as a consumer do not know about. That was the most ignorant statement I had heard. And I love you, family member. And now they do not buy from the grocery store. They understand now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's hard to relate to at all. That's like the lady in the grocery store. It's really just hard. Sometimes you just got to let things like that go because you can't relate. And again, like we said way earlier in the podcast, not everyone's for you. Not everyone's for your farm. And you, no. you aren't for everyone. So no. And I'm not looking to be everybody's farmer. That's okay. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I want the people that believe in what we're doing and they love that we're being transparent with them and they're going to be a customer. I know everybody's not like that. I have a friend and she is so cute. I love her and I love her husband. And she's like, Ashlyn, I'm really going to get him turned onto these eggs and to these, this meat. He's just weirded out by it. And I get it because if you're not in it, you're so used to walking in the grocery store. That was me 10 years ago, right? Like I would just go in the grocery store, get my meat, get my eggs and not think anything about it. Cause that is the way we are raised in the society, right? Yeah. It's conditioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think it's just educating yourself as a consumer. Education is key and knowledge is power, right? Yeah. And make sure you have those two things. Yeah, I love it. Educa educating yourself and then choosing what you want because you can still choose junk if you want. But if you want to choose this other thing, then you know what your options are. I was exactly. the same way with raw milk to be real transparent. I was like, yeah. man, this is a and then it was just from being conditioned by society and how pasteurization even came along. Like we were taught to think that milk is gross, but it's actually really not. No. <laughs> I know. And then like, actually, when you drink milk from the store, have you ever noticed, like my stomach, I don't know if this is you, but my stomach will actually hurt. It's because all the stuff it goes through and what's in it, it's just insane. Anyway, There's no live enzymes. Yeah.
Yeah, it's uh, and and I love all farms. I love dairy farmers, but there's just Me there's too. a difference. And some people too. Some people um, they can handle it, and I think it's great because uh, a gallon of milk at the grocery store. I was talking about this with my friend. Um, it's it's very affordable for everyone. You know, it's 25 yes. cents a serving, and although it's not the most nutrient dense thing, there's fat, there's protein, there's carbs, and if if you if you can't afford something else, it's a really good product to have. Yes. Um, but okay. Do you have a quote that you live by or a quote that you really like that you want to share? Yeah. There's Are a you a quote girl? Do you have I, like on I, your mirror? I post quotes all the time. Yes. I'm a, I'm a quote lady. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think girl. I'm like, there's, there's really too many, but I made up a quote a long time ago when I was in high school. Cause I've always been a dreamer. So I'll just share it. Okay. A dream is only a dream until you make it come true. It is literally you. Nobody else is going to do it for you, right? Like you go push yourself because nobody else will. And that is what I live to every day in and out. That's, awesome. that, that's, that's me. That just bleeds through my whole entire body or travels through my blood. I guess I should say. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mine's a, I, for, I think it's Roger Crager. I can't remember, but it's the world's got you trapped and friend, there's no way out. So give into your deepest desire and set the whole damn world on fire. Yes, I think it's Roger Crager. <laughs> but anyways, okay. And the last thing I'm going to ask you, because um, I've asked everyone at the end of the podcast, what their biggest 2024 goal is. There we go. Um, I really want to ask you what your biggest 2024 goal is, because as I'm moving about this podcast and talking to different farmers, I really want to be thinking about you and praying for you and just like helping Aww. manifest those goals. So what's your biggest 2024 goal for your farm, for Tupelo Honey Farms? You know, I want to find all the people in the community that are ready to learn about where their food is coming from, right? Just even in the small community that we're in. And for them to come and partner with us and to get their meat from us. But it's bigger than that. It's about helping other farms and everything else that I've talking about, talk, that I've spoke about. I can't even talk today. Yes, you can. Um, but then the other piece of that too is farming is expensive, right? Like it's a lot of time and money that goes into it. Like we work our tuchuses off, right? And we're not paying ourselves. Like, I mean, I'm working for free. I'm free labor. And everybody's like, you're not doing it. I'm like, no, it's me. So I do have the skincare line that's all natural because that's just a natural progression. And then I'm starting to do um, kitchen gardens and people's backyards as well. And by doing those two things, that continues to fund what we're doing on the farm to bring all of this amazing stuff to the community as well. Right. So I am really looking to get just super knowledgeable in the whole gardening process um, and getting my certification complete and that just to take off so that I can offer also too, because we're not produce. I know you have produce, which is so cool. Don't you, you have produce, right, Stephanie? You yes. Have, you have a whole garden. You have a whole thing, a whole garden business. I'm a veggie too. farmer. I love that. So, um, you know, us not having that because focusing on just meat, it's a whole thing in itself. Oh, yeah. I want to be able to provide people access to healthy food in their backyards so that year round, so that they can just go out there and pick it out and cook that produce year round. I think it's the coolest thing ever. And yeah. they can partner that with our, or plate it with our meat, which is so neat. So I think that, and I know that's really high level. I do have numbers in mind because I've got to make money at this too, right? It's not all about the money. But may, I got to live too. <laughs> so um, I do have numbers in mind where yes. I to replace at least some of what I used to make in corporate for this to continue to make sense. Well, but yeah, you have, have to make you you have to make money. If if uh, if we were doing this, it, what what would they would just call it a really bad hobby? You would want to stop unless you're just having yeah. so much fun that you just want to pour money out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Um, well, we'll be thinking about you for those big goals. So we're going to be manifesting like a huge increase in sales for the skincare line off to get me some since you ship nationwide. Oh, you're so sweet. I need to send you some. I'll just, I'll send you some. <laughs> um, <laughs> but tell everyone how they can find you, your Instagram handle or any other way to find you. Yeah. So Instagram handle is at Tupelo Honey Farms. My, and that's with an S. And then that's T-U-P-E-L-O Honey and then Farms with an S. And then my skincare line is LS underscore B-A-U-M-E. It's actually French and named after my mom who I lost like seven years ago almost. So beautiful. Um, 
really cool. I just, yeah. So in honor of her, but you can also find my skincare stuff under the Tupelo Honey Farms handle as well. Pretty sure I'll start integrating that back into the farm stuff. Because again, as a farmer, it's a lot of work. So <laughs> managing two Instagram handles, it's me. I don't have a social media person. I don't have anybody that works on the farm. It's me. <laughs> and it's me making the skincare. So um, our website is www tupelohoneyfarms.com you can find our online store to shop there now if you're local here in north carolina shop it and you can pick it up at one of my pickup locations and then also to our skincare line um, we do ship that nationwide so you can go to www.lsbaume.com that's lsbaume awesome that's so cool i know sometimes if i'm having like a bad day farming i'll just sing that isn't it taylor swift it's me I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> My daughter sings that all the time. And I'm like, you're not a problem. I'm like, you're the best thing ever. <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem with animals. No, I'm kidding. Farming is me. Yes. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on today. We loved having you. I loved hearing your story. Corporate girl, like high, high up, VP to farmer, full circle, fourth generation farm, right across the street from your grandma. That's amazing story. Yeah. So everyone follow Ashlyn on Instagram and we'll see y'all later. Thanks so much. And oh my gosh, I want to interview you now. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. But Let's don't. Go. Okay. I'm going to hit stop, but you don't end the call or else I'll lose everything. So stay right there. <laughs>